It's your girl, Marisa, and you are listening to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. The Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast is sponsored in part by Holy Grail Clothing Company, an American lifestyle brand presented by the Regal Brand Incorporated. Discover high-quality handcrafted essentials from their collections for men, women, and children. Podcast subscribers can take 15% off their entire purchase with discount code HEARDTHAT15. That's H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5 when they shop the virtual retail store at HolyGrailClothingCompany.com. That's HolyGrailClothingCO.com. Holy Grail Clothing Company, wear your crown. I absolutely love doing volunteer service. I have met the most amazing people and some extraordinary kids as well. The cool thing that kids will always ask for when I am volunteering is books, if we have books available for them to take home because their passion and love for reading. There's an amazing author out there by the name of Trevor Romain who has such cool books for kids that are fun and awesome with simple stories that kids can relate to and parents as well. The Trevor Romain Company has a diverse collection of social and emotional learning resources to help children and their families become healthier, happier, and more confident. All heard that, listeners. If you go on trevorromain.com today, you get an exclusive 15% off your complete order by using the code HEARDTHAT, H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5, at trevorromain.com. Trevor Romain, no E at the end of Romain, com today. What's up, Heard That Nation listening in United States and around the world? You are listening live now to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. Uh, if you are watching right now on YouTube, which I hope you are, click that subscribe button and get everybody to get a like or a follow on. Uh, today's episode is going to be absolutely amazing. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we got an amazing, amazing guest with us today. Uh, he played five years in the NFL, but what he did and does off of the field after he walked away from football is absolutely amazing. He is an artist. He is an educator. He is an activist. He's a father. And right now he's live at a wonderful location that I'm going to ask him about that's painting this gorgeous mural. Um, I mean, it's absolutely incredible what he's doing. He's just absolutely talented. He's also an author of art activism, the book that uh, I, ran, I just 
recently gave away to a very excited winner who also is an artist himself. So I am very honored to have Aaron Maben on the Heard That podcast. How are you, Aaron? I'm great. Thanks for having me. This is That's really the way of us doing an interview. I kind of dig it. <laughs> I, I dig it too. This is the first time where I've had somebody on, you know, on locations that's sitting in front of a computer, uh, actually doing what they love. So before we even get started, those that are watching right now, uh, you've been an artist, uh, according to your book, you've been an artist pretty much your whole entire life. So what inspired you to get into drawing and, 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 and making all these powerful pieces that you have done, uh, all these powerful art um, pictures and murals as you're doing right now? Absolutely. Well, as you said, I've really been an artist my whole life. I um, was creating art since before I could form words and speak. You know, um, I've got one of my family members right here with me, my cousin. He could tell you from the time he was born, he could remember me doing uh, my artwork. And even before I was an athlete, that was really around, you know, around my neighborhood and my family. That was what everybody knew me as, you know, the mm -hmm. creative mind that would steal all your aluminum foil and your Reynolds wrap and write on your walls and uh, uh, deface all the books that you had on the shelf. You know, that was me. Mm -hmm. um, but before, you know, I got older, art really became my preferred language method of choice after my mother's passing when I was six years old. Mm -hmm. um, that's a traumatic experience for any uh, young person to go through using your, uh, losing your mother at such a young age when uh, you lean on your mother for so much at that time. Right. And I kind of, um, you know, I kind of isolated myself after that, and, you know, didn't really talk much to people, didn't really uh, have healthy ways of venting outside of my art. And that mm -hmm. became how I communicated how I was feeling to people in my family, to people in school. Um, I never really was a solid student when I was younger, not until I um, really got to about high school did I become the kind of, of student that I had the capability of being. But mm -hmm. art was always my way of communicating, my way of of sharing my ideas, my story. And as I got older, I realized more and more how important our stories are, yeah. how important controlling our narratives are. And, you know, I saw that firsthand with how my narrative was controlled as an athlete by people that didn't know me, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, through my work, I always wanted to make sure that I highlighted uh, the realities of the community in which I came from mm -hmm. uh, and still live to this day, you know? Um, just today, for example, you know, we still in the hood right now. I, teaching a, a, a community center that we just opened up on the mm -hmm. west side. I was there since early this morning. So this is what most of my days consist of. It consists of teaching. It consists of educating. It consists of, of being a father to my own children as soon as I get home at night mm -hmm. and, and, and coming up with the ideas that uh, are going to shape the, the leaders that we have uh, tomorrow. So, you know, that's really just always been, you know, what my, uh, what my community presence was about. And um, when I made the transition from my athletic career to doing this full time, I tried to make sure that um, I really centered my art and my community at the center of everything that, uh, that, I, that I made my career about. That's why I want to give you your flowers, Aaron, because I, I love sports and I absolutely was raised with a bunch of family members. And all we did, you know, was two things. We eat and we be front of the TV being a kid in the 70s and early 80s. We would always talk about who our, our favorite players were, uh, who our favorite teams were and everything else. But the big thing for me as I got older was those that had a platform that was able to do something for their city, that's something for a community um, to give back. I like and I love that you, 
you know, you talk Baltimore, you walk Baltimore, you talk about the city. Take me back a little bit to when you were growing up in Baltimore to the Baltimore you see now. What was it that you see differently and what is it that you see the same as you, as, you know, Baltimore City when you were growing up versus, you know, now? What is it some similarities that you saw and what is some things that are different? Um, one of the negative and positive things I think is the Baltimore that we live in now is way too much like the Baltimore of my youth. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was born in 1988. So, you know, early 90s, I was one of the babies that was uh, uh, the last casualties of the crack epidemic in Baltimore. You know, it tore through our city, much like many others, but in a unique way to many others with our proximity to Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. was uh, the way that we went about handling that epidemic is not, it's not how the opioid epidemic is being handled now. Uh, there was no care, there was no attention to the pain that was ripping through our communities and the desperation, the uh, economic disenfranchisement and the poverty. Um, you know, people just came through our communities on a daily basis, locking sick people up for being sick and poor. Mm -hmm. You know, um, no resources were available. You know, re, uh, the rec centers had just started to close up during that time. Well, man, I didn't just start to close up, but a lot of the last rec centers that were still open in communities like the one I, I grew up in, uh, were shutting down and uh, the resources were dwindling and the kids were left with less and less legal options to go out on the street, be safe and have community. So you saw the beginning of uh, uh, the end really happening for a city. And mm -hmm. that's not something that's new to my generation. But I think that uh, what I decided to be a part of, along with many others that um, are on the front lines with us every day here in Baltimore is we chose to be the ones that are fighting uh, to save the city, mm -hmm. fighting to maintain um, the sections and the, 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 the areas in it that we still do own, the culture and the community that we established and built, you know, for free. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, we take that, we take ownership in that and we take understanding and knowing that this is not something that is a product of a lack of resourcefulness by our people, a lack of of, of desire for uh, better opportunities. Like this is in spite of all of these things that have been set against us, we still found ways to, to thrive, to survive and to continue to build community. So mm -hmm. um, I wanted to really be an example of what that reimagining of our environment could look like. I wanted to be an example of somebody who regardless of what opportunities I might've been given or might've uh, been able to aspire to, always came back home to my community and, and served as a tangible, touchable, approachable example of what that success could look like. Um, what a change in the idea of masculinity and, and, and community building looks like. Um, not by words, but by deeds, you know, by mm -hmm. getting up every day and just doing the right thing and building with other people that are of a like mindset and right. really serving as a bridge for the future generations that have a mind and the desire to do the same thing. I appreciate that because there's people that have a, a huge platform that say they are about their hometown, they are about their communities, but all they do is cut a check and they send it home. Yeah. They're not there to do the work. They're not there to visit the centers. They're not there to hand out meals to those that need it. They're not there to help the homeless get off the streets and everything else. Most of the time they don't even still live there. That part. You can ask anybody around here. I still live right in the same hood that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. and thing about the thing about still being in your community is if you don't have proximity then 
you're not really benefiting uh, benefiting the community in any way that you can because you're not paying property taxes there. Right. You're not doing your local grocery shopping there. You're not doing your laundry there. You're not getting any of your services that you need on a day-to-day basis uh, uh, done in the same community that you say you represent. So right. my whole thing, if you say that you're about Baltimore and you say you're about your hometown, then there should be evidence in that by your deeds, not your words. Exactly. And your deeds mean not just cutting a check, but actually being around. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. my brother, uh, uh, Uncle T is out here with me, another powerful change agent in Baltimore. When I first pulled up, he saw a couple kids jump out of a car, run up to me and say they knew exactly who I was. Uh, uh, he was a fan of mine when I was, when I played football and they just wanted to take a picture and they wanted to talk to me about their grades and they wanted to talk to me about their future. They can't do that if I'm not here. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, you don't see a tangible example of what success can look like if these people aren't here. If I get all of these opportunities and all of these resources and I leave my hood and I run out to the suburbs, which I'll never understand anyway, because it's like that area was never made for us. So Mm -hmm. I don't see how people feel safer out there than they do in their own community that raised them. Mm -hmm. It's like. If the village leaves, then what then what village is left for our kids that are still here? I think the you know big I mean? thing like, is, yeah, I think the big thing is when people do leave and they get that grade up or they get, you know, successful in life, they 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 lose their identity of who they were. They they all of a sudden pick up this new identity, forget about where they originally came from, and you know, that that gets lost in the shuffle. And that's why and I, at what I, point at what point do we throw out that narrative though? Yeah, right? Because right, right. we don't unless you one of those people that that lives off of your ancestry.com reading. How you doing, sis? You good? <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> but nah, like if you're talking about this whole um idea that, you know, unless you unless you got your numbers from ancestry.com and you all the way rocking with whatever it told you you were, right? We don't know our true roots. That was robbed of us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like right. my granddaddy and his granddaddy didn't know where we actually descended from. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'll tell you what I do know. I know that my granddaddy and my granddaddy before him broke their backs. Right. Mm-hmm. Building what community still exists for me here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So what is my real inheritance? What should I really be fighting to save? Right. You know what I'm saying? They built up something here that I'm trying to further the legacy of. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, we have to take ownership that this is our legacy. And if yeah. we don't build it up, we can't get mad when the outsiders come in and start poaching, you know what I mean, our houses, our blocks, you know what I'm saying, our buildings, because mm-hmm. they see the value in it that we forgot a long time ago. Right. Just because we're here doesn't mean that our spaces lack value. And in order for us to really see that narrative change, we got to start perpetuating it amongst our, we have to stop perpetuating it amongst ourselves mm-hmm. and start perpetuating the pride in where we come from. Mm-hmm. Like I have genuine pride in this area and part of me bringing murals like this isn't just, you know, me looking for an opportunity to throw my art, up, my artwork up, up there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I want to reimagine, you know what I mean? Um, our most problematic areas as a space that we see as beautiful that we can be proud of. Yeah, exactly. Part of my thing is having people walk by here and tell me, how they feel different walking down this block now because they see my artwork adorning the wall. Right. That's the real, that's what, that's what it really means to change the energy and the environment of a space through aesthetics. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that. you're showing love to your people without actually being able to touch them. But mm-hmm. my art is going to be able to touch them. The youth should be able to feel seen. 
You know what I mean? Like our people that come from here should be able to see their upbringing in the buildings that are uh, uh, that are lined across the bottom of the wall. Mm -hmm. You know, they should feel a certain ownership in the work because it was done not just in love, but it was done by somebody who also shares that same love. Exactly. I think what's so key, Aaron, that you talked about in this book, this this book, and I posted it on my page, Art Activism. Uh, it's more than just a workbook to me, in my opinion. I have I so many. The kind, I appreciated the kind words, by the way. Thank Listen, you. If you, I don't know. You'll see this later on in, in, in uh, the video and such, but I have at least about six or seven different kinds of bookmarks. Uh, I have a pen. I have an envelope. I have a receipt. I have <laughs> all different kinds of stuff that's in this book because so many of the pages that are in here are rich. They are of, of brilliant words of... Um, pretty much you paint a beautiful picture of what Baltimore means to you. Uh, it is an art book. It is a journal. Uh, it is, a, I'll, I'll even say it, it is a black history book. Um, it, it takes you to the, the, the history of what already happened. And plus it takes you through you as a black man your history, and I want to take- It's a journey of self, it's a journey of self discovery. Exactly. I share, I share some of my, I share some of my words and meditations for the city from my perspective. Yes. But it's done in a way that allows you to be a co-author along with me telling the stories and the narratives that shape your existence. And it's raw and it's real to too. A critical thinker in that process mm -hmm. of reevaluating your own life story and seeing where you fit in the grandscape of uh, in the landscape of the pathway that our ancestors set for us years and generations ago. Yeah, and it's raw and it's real and it's honest. And that's the, that's the big thing that I took from, from this. And I'm reading it again for the third time because it's just so many, so many powerful words that you have put on here, your images, your artwork. I mean, it you just felt, it's felt through and through every single one of these pages in here. And one of the things I wanna, I wanna ask you about you being, I'm gonna call you Baltimore son because throughout this book and through what you represent, you're pretty much the son of Baltimore, is the spotlight was on Baltimore six years ago in every single news outlet on the TVs and everything else. And that's the unfortunate death of Freddie Gray. And that whole, that whole path of it, of the people that took his life, and I will say it to this day, they took his life. Um, and we're not held accountable. You, you right. wrote on these pages in here about how you felt with the unfortunate situation that happened to Freddie Gray, who absolutely did nothing to deserve the way that he was treated. And then the aftermath of what happened to all of the officers that were involved, not one of them were held accountable. Take me through your whole entire mindset and your mental seeing your city being spotlight on the news, the whole entire thing that happened to Freddie Gray, the impact that it had on the city, most importantly, his family, and the aftermath when those people did not get held accountable in an uprising in a negative light, if you will, of those that were upset about the outcome uh, of those that of those officers, former officers, I'll say it, murderers who took his life. Uh -huh. So that's a multi-tiered question, but Oh, thank you so much, sister. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So um, to answer the first part of your question, what I felt was the same disappointment I feel every time 
our city is used um, for headlines and clickbait um, every time a national story it takes place here. Mm-hmm. You know, the same news stations and commentators uh, that are here all the time mm-hmm. come back and they, 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 they highlight the exact same narratives without any care towards actually seeing justice served or seeing the communities have any kind of feeling. It's basically trauma porn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one thing when you're seeing it happen. It's always recycled on national news, but it's one thing when it's happening in Ferguson, you know, when it's happening in New York or when it's happening, you know what I mean, uh, in Chicago. But for it to be happening here mm-hmm. and the narratives being spun be about your city and people in your city who you actually know, who you're actually tied to, who you actually serve on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. um, is infuriating. It's infuriating because it's almost like, you know, the realities that we deal with every day, which are dire, are like, not comical, but like, if you see it, if you see us, if, if, you, if the sum total of what you see my city as and our people here is clickbait and, and fodder for you know, overly political national discourse and dialogue um, around uh, around um, politicized issues, then what does that say about us as a country? Right. What does that say about media? What does that say about ethics? What does that say about, you know, where society is right now? Too many of us aren't trying to, I appreciate it, bro, thank you. Too many of us aren't trying to get to the root causes of the problem. We're just trying to put cameras on the problem Mm-hmm. And talk about whose fault it is, whose fault it is, mm-hmm. you know. And my thing is, everything that you see me do in the community, from a legislative policy standpoint, from an art standpoint, is all about solutions. You know, mm-hmm. yes, we have to talk about the realities that that we exist in, but not from the standpoint of of just using it uh, as fodder for the fire. It has to be as a part of a situation that's going to bring about a change and a solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. And when you see all of that national attention come and no real problems get solved, no real legislative policy changes come about except for a toothless consent decree that has brought our city nothing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Except for another bill when it's time for us to establish the city budget. Like, it, it's frustrating, but it highlights how important the everyday work is when the cameras aren't around. That's why I can give a damn about, you know, whoever's news platform I'm on. And my, at the end of the day, I built my following and 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 the community that I have around me, around the real life work that I do every day in the streets, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? On social media, you know what I mean? On uh, uh, on national media outlets, they're seeing the same guy, right. you know. And that's why we've been able to rally certain amount of support around the issues that we're passionate about, because people know we're not just looking to 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 use these issues as a platform um, mm-hmm. to to make ourselves money or to to get fame or attention. It's like, nah, if we're not actually trying to bring about uh, solutions to the problems, then what are we doing? Right. You know what I mean? I can't just be one of these people that's out here, you know, getting paid off of black people's pain. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be moving from a place of pain to a position of power. And we only do that when we organize. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that is so well said. I, I appreciate it, bro. Thank you, man. I, I uh, pre- a lie, homie, for real. I love the love that you are getting from the people of your city, in your city. I mean, it's just amazing to yeah. hear. One, and I, and I hope people two. watch one, one, this. One girl, just, one, one, one girl just brought me a snowball when she's selling them. You know I what I mean? It. That's money that she could have made. It's, 
yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're close by a stoplight. So it seems like every time the car stops, somebody gets out of the car and wants to, they're being respectful because they see I'm doing an interview, but that's what I can't really convey through like an Instagram post or through a, right. like when people feel the love and they see that it's genuine, like, you know, they appreciate it. They reciprocate, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and this is the Baltimore that nobody ever talks about. Like we on the same block that, you know, a lot of lighter complexion people in our city are scared to come to, mm. you know what I mean? But there's love here. Like there's community here. Like it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And they appreciate when the love is real, when somebody's coming into their community to show that love and to build and not just use it as a platform to get some attention talking about the problems that exist here. Right. We know the problems. We lived in them. We grew up, we grew up as victims of those problems. You think mm -hmm. you don't know what they are? you're not talking about solutions, if you're not bringing people opportunity, if you aren't creating space for innovation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then you know what I mean? You can miss me with that conversation because it's really about what we can build at this point. It's what we can do, uh, accomplish, but accomplish together. And what you are building, Aaron, and this is what I'm so excited about because following your journey, and I have for a while now, and what you're doing along with Tori Smith, played for the Baltimore Ravens and his wife, Chanel, you three created this Leadership Academy, Level 82 Leadership Academy. Thank you, thank you for mentioning. Thank you for mentioning. Yes. Chanel's. Yes. Thank you for mentioning Chanel's name because it really, like, I need people like to look at because some people would think that that's something that me and Tori are doing. I need people to look at every press conference that we've had. Yes. At every social media post that we make, we make sure that people know Chanel is an integral part of this team of this partnership. And a lot of people are just glossing over her involvement and centering me and Tori's involvement. I understand that we're the professional athletes and that's what makes the story sexy. Mm -hmm. But, you know. She's heavily involved in that. And if people are following you, you can see ahead, her. You can see her in the video. Thank you so much. And then you post on IG. You like it? <laughs> you love it. Wow. Thank you so much. She's look, she, I love the look in her face when she was looking up at your mural. That is so beautiful. Yeah, like they see themselves. You know what I mean? That's what it's about for me. Like yeah. I get emotional with stuff like that because it's like, we don't have enough of this in our city. We don't yeah. have enough spaces where we can see ourselves reflected at our best light. Right. You know what I mean? But, but I'm sorry. I, no, I, I you're fine. No, away. no, you're perfectly fine because she was looking up at something that is, I mean, to her, it could be something of peace. It could be something of hope. It could be something of big dreams and everything else. And that's why, you know, we'll get into that in a minute, your mural that you have uh, behind you. But this academy, this, le this leadership academy that you have, the three of you all put together and what you're doing, and that's why I want people to follow the journey that, that you three are doing is absolutely outstanding. It's amazing. I get, I get envious. But I smile at the same time because I'm like, man, where was this at when I was growing up? But to see the wonderful work that you three are doing with these amazing leaders of now, they're not the future leaders. To me, I see them as leaders right now. So talk a little bit about this uh, Leadership Academy that you and Tori and Chanel has created. Yeah, this thing, man, it is a labor of love. Man. Like when I tell you this is something that we're just now able to be vocal about. We had to, we were, we've been working on si in silence on this thing for about seven months now. Yeah. You know, uh, that's how long it takes, 
you know, to um, to put something of this magnitude together, to do it the right way, mm. you know. Um, and this is, uh, this is everything that started from an idea. Like, if anybody listens to Tori's podcast, um, me and him, uh, I come on his podcast every now and again, and we kind of talk shop about, you know, manhood, state of the city, things that we're working on. And the first time that I came on to his podcast, um, you know, we had just, you know, kind of been talking about the work that we were doing and, you know, the spaces that we were moving into at the time. And there was obviously always been a synergy there. He's always been my brother. He's always supported everything that I've done in the community since we've met. Um, he's always had a presence uh, in the schools that I've taught in. He's always just been just been unapologetically supportive uh, of everything that I've done um, since we met. So, uh, you know, we were talking about that and he was talking about kind of the, the reasons why um, he was that way and why he supported the things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I felt the same way. I was supportive of a lot of the things that he was trying to do with level 82. And because um, I made my transition out of the game before him, mm -hmm. you know, I had kind of had those years of putting in that groundwork in the trenches of like, look, all I'm doing now is serving the people. This is what yeah. I've learned. You know, this is what has worked for me when we're organizing, when we're building certain things. Yeah. So we just served as resources for one another just to collaborate with and build with. And we were on his podcast one day and he, we just said in a roundabout way, like, man, it'd be really dope for us to come together um, and do something because there's so many former athletes that have a presence in their community, have a foundation, have things that they're doing that are wonderful, but not enough of us actually come together and merge platforms and share resources with one another in order to have a greater impact. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, it'd be really dope for the two of us to be able to create a blueprint of what that looks like. Because the one thing I can say about working with him, the, the thing that he's always been, and, uh, uh, and that's probably the synergy between us, is selfless. Nothing that we do is about us as individuals. You know, yeah. we don't care who gets the credit. We don't care whose name is in the big uh, uh, part of the headline. We don't care whose photo is in the paper. It's about the work. It's about mm -hmm. how many resources can we uh, can we provide? How many people can we serve? How do we do it in a way that we think is reflective of, of how God would intend for us to do this work? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I respected him as a man. I respected him and Chanel for the way that they raised their children, similar to the way that I raised my children. Mm -hmm. So our friendship really was built organically around that. And, you know, they were they were well aware of the ongoing battle war I had been in with the school system since I started teaching mm -hmm. just for just for speaking truth and just for trying to do the right thing right. Uh, and when that war ended up essentially getting me blackballed and I was no longer in the school system we saw that as an opportunity um, to actually come together and build something real uh, so we were playing around with the ideas of what that could be mm -hmm. you know I was in the aftermath of, of, of being out of the schools I was I was riled up and angry. I'm sitting there like, yo, I'm starting my own school. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I need to figure out how much money I need to raise, all of this kind of stuff. And me and him talking, he was like, look, 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 just, you know, breathe easy. Tori's like a, he's a much calmer person than me. Yeah. I'm like the fire. He's like the Martin to my mouth. Right? <laughs> That's a good comparison. So it's like, you know, I'm angry and I want to go to war and I want to do this and that. And he's just like, you know, what if this is an opportunity for us to do what we've been talking about? You know, me and Chanel, you know, we've been toying around with the idea of, you know, doing this rec center thing for real. We don't know a location yet. We don't know, you know, what that would entail, what it would cost. But we know we would need somebody 
that actually is from here, that actually has the, the relationships that matter uh, to help us establish that culture. Yeah. You know, and obviously with you being in the schools and Chanel's background as an educator, y'all would be able to do everything that you've been doing inside the school, you know, in a space that we would have control over, mm -hmm. you know, um, and more than anything, it's like, yo, like it's an example of exactly what we talked about coming together and, and merging platforms, um, providing an example to other younger athletes and, yeah. and NFL players, even former players of what it looks like to merge platforms and uh, behind a single cause and work together towards a common goal mm -hmm. and really kind of normalizing that behavior. And it seemed like it was a godsend. It seemed like, you know, it was the right timing. Uh, it was the right setup. And uh, from that point on, we just started to build it organically and pieces started to fall into place. Like mm -hmm. me and Chanel went to work on the curriculum. Uh, Tori went to work on establishing different partnerships and I went to work on making certain connections within community. And um, yeah, man, we just worked. And, and this is our second week now that we're coming into. Uh, as I said earlier, I was in there. I was in, I'm in the center every day about eight o'clock uh, until about uh, two 33 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we're doing social, emotional learning. We're doing mm -hmm. mathematics. We're doing, uh, community uh, engagement. Um, we're doing uh, 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 field trips every week. Mm -hmm. uh, we have guest speakers coming in of the highest caliber that are giving our kids powerful lectures and nice. discussions around things that are teaching them more about themselves and their environment. Mm -hmm. They're able to really take so much uh, uh, from this experience and, and their parents are, 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 are coming in in the morning and telling us how excited they are to leave uh, to come to uh, our camp. They're not this excited to go to school in the morning. Wow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're not, they're not this hyped to learn on a regular day basis, but right. we're them. you know what I mean? And we're speaking their language and, and we're doing it in a way that empowers them. And I think that that hopefully God willing, is going to serve as a new model for how we educate our kids because they're, I tell you, these kids are phenomenal, man. Like definitely follow me. It's not about me. Just go on the platform and look at them. You know what I mean? Like, Watch the videos where yeah. I just give them a bump and just let them go. Get them in their teams and just let them start organizing, strategizing. Like these are future engineers. These are future doctors, lawyers, mm -hmm. policymakers. Like the way their minds work is so beautiful. And it's so good. You know, for us to be able to highlight that and for mm -hmm. us to finally have a certain amount of grief now, we're still building and we're still in our empathy stages. Yeah. But I don't know what life looks like with benefactors in this work. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like I've always done everything off of the muscle or off of the strength of what we could galvanize as a community. Mm -hmm. We actually have benefactors now. Like I'm still getting used to that. It's like speaking That's a so foreign good. language. But we That's have so benefactors good. that are empowering us to empower our youth. Mm -hmm. which I think is, is definitely a model that we need to highlight going forward. So that's why I post every day because I need people to see this stuff that we're doing with our kids. I need the people to see how our kids respond to the stimuli mm -hmm. of that event. Yeah. You know what I mean? How they're able to grow. Like, you know, we're charting their progress just so we know uh, going into this school year, how much further they were ahead than the end of last school year. You know what I mean? Um, wow. And we're using that data. You know what I mean? I ain't even going to speak more on what we're planning on doing with it, but there's a master plan that we're headed towards. And how many, the first step in that how many, so how many students do you, do you have this year that's in this uh, leadership Academy? How many do you have? How this, many classrooms? Uh, for the academy, how many right, 
have 30. It's a pilot program. Okay. And the reason we had 30 kids was one, because of COVID mm -hmm. and all of the restrictions and stuff like that on the numbers of people that you can have in a building. Yeah. And, you know, there's restrictions on how many adults and kids you can have in the same space based on the square footage of it. Mm -hmm. But um, long story short, the reason why we went with 30 is because we have an expansion coming. I can't nice. speak specifically about that expansion, but I'll, I can say that the Ravens are one of our partners in that. And, that is so uh, amazing. That is so amazing. Yeah. So we have to have the ability to do some work on our building while we're doing programming. So uh, I think that's the best way to say it. Yeah. So no, that was well said. While we're doing, <laughs> yeah. While we're doing this programming, we're going to be expanding and post that expansion, we're going to be able to serve many more. Oh, that is phenomenal. I'm excited. Uh, every time you do, and he does post, ladies and gentlemen, if you follow him on his Instagram, you follow him on his Twitter, he does post the work. He does uh, post the success. And it is absolutely incredible. I post what... my kids more than I post myself. I, like... <laughs> it's, I, I consider them your kids, too, because they're there in that space, learning from you, learning from Tori, learning from Chanel. So before I let you out of here, Aaron, tell everybody you got this fabulous mural that you're that you're painting. Talk about this mural that you're painting right now. So uh, this piece uh, was inspired by and commissioned by uh, both Adidas and DTLR. Uh -huh. How you doing? Uh, and they commissioned me to do this piece around uh, a sneaker that they just released, re-released called The Form. And the idea behind the mural was, instead of doing a mural centered around a shoe, mm -hmm. let's do it around this idea of providing a forum for our youth to have a platform to talk about the realities of our community and a reimagining of what that society could look like. So you can see all the the row homes on the bottom, that indicates the reality of what our communities are right now. The reality of, of, of the lack of, of investment, the lack of updates, the lack of, of, of investment, you know? And inside of the crown, you see the faces of our kids, you know, stepping up to the mic and, and letting their voices be heard in their own form about the realities that they're facing and a reimagining of the society that they want to see going forward. You know, and of course, they're inside the uh, the the crown, just emblemizing the, the the deeply embedded royalty and 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 richness that is in all of them. You know, so I wanted mm -hmm. to have that right here in the middle of this community, so that all of our kids, like if you if you pan over this way, there's a playground right here. So all of our kids are playing right in front of this mural that has them captured in this way i think i couldn't think of a more empowering way you know to 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 leave a message a, a message of love for that's so good that is so good and it, it's perfect too and I, I just still have in my in my mind the little girl that walked past and was looking at your mural so it's just yeah. fitting and it's so perfect that you have that right there located across from the playground where all the kids that are playing and everything else can see this mural of inspiration, of hope, of change for them, for their future and their future's future, that their future is right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's oh. what it's about. 
Yes, absolutely. Aaron, this is so good that you didn't even need to be in front of a computer, that you are in front of something that you're doing, something that you love to do, that you are making an impact. I absolutely love what you are doing. I love that you are, are absolutely. I, I love that you are all about your city. You represent your city. You talk and walk your city and that you are making a change and that everybody that is part of Baltimore, I mean, we saw it. I mean, I'm seeing it with people walking past you saying hello, bringing you, you know, something to drink and, and just giving you thanks and appreciation for what you're doing. And I'm giving you thanks and appreciation from someone who is sitting here in Dallas that needs to come out in Baltimore because I've never been there. Look, we would love to have you. And now I've got a center to host you at so you can come give our kids some of that knowledge that you be spitting. I will take that invitation. I accept that invitation and uh, I'm excited to see what else is going to uh, happen and the expansion. I cannot wait uh, for what is going to come. So how can people uh, stay connected with you? Um, all of my social media platforms pretty much uh, have posts about the work that I'm doing. So IG is just Aaron Maven, A-A-R-O-N-M-A-Y-B-I-N as it's spelled over here. Um, on Twitter, it is Aaron M. Maven, so it's two M's, um, uh, 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 M and then my last name. And then uh, on Facebook, it's just Aaron Maven. But I also have my website, www.aaronmaven.com, where I also have my books and artwork and clothing and all the other type of merchandise that I have for sale, along with the, um, the school curriculum and, and things like that that I've developed. So um, anybody that's looking to get familiar or stay up to date with what I have going on can, can check those resources out. Absolutely. And I'm holding up your book so that those that are watching on YouTube can see. Go buy this book. Go buy this book. It, it will change your whole mental. It will appreciate. It will make you think. It will make you write. Even those that don't think that they, can, they need the journal, it will make you start journaling your thoughts. Uh, it it's a great family. It's a great it's a great family tool too. Agreed. To plug my own stuff. The best the best. The best parts that the best parts of getting posts about um, parents in the workbook and things of that nature is seeing parents sitting at a table with their kids mm -hmm. having a discussion about one of the prompts before they all do it together. You know uh, what I mean? Yes. So the whole family is able to build around what do we feel about this issue? How do we as a family go about handling this? How do we see ourselves? How do mm -hmm. we want to move forward in the world together? I think that. That's something that our community drastically needs right now. We need to be having a lot of this, a lot of these conversations in house. Yes. You know, getting our own houses in order, getting all of us on one accord, all of us on code, and then we can organize. Then we can move forward because we have a basis of power and understanding amongst one another now. I, I agree. The conversation needs to continue. Um, it is it's something, like I said, it's a Black History book. Uh, I, I, I love diving into any kind of history, historical things that involves the black community, uh, black historical figures. And this is an example of it, of what you've written within these pages. And I appreciate your time so much. And I'm so honored that you said yes uh, to coming on here. And I, I just, I thank you for everything that you're doing, Aaron, for the community, so for the city and beyond. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure was all mine. Absolutely.
And as I always, always end the show, Hurt That Nation, take care, stay safe. Everything she says is truth. If you don't know now, you know all you ever gotta say is Look all you ever gotta say is Be in the know of new episodes that are coming up on the podcast at HeardThatWithMarisa.com. I'm also available on Instagram at Marisa Tigney Podcast, on Twitter at LovelyMarisaT, as well as Facebook on a social media page, Heard That With Marisa Tigney. I appreciate your continued support. Everything she says is truth. If you don't know now, you know all you ever gotta say is Look all you ever gotta say is